Hello and welcome to the 10th episode of the I Brew My Own Coffee podcast, the podcast for people who care about coffee. I'm your host, Alex Carpenter, and in this week's episode, we talk with Brian Sheely. Uh, he's probably most noticeable for his colorful photos of coffee on Instagram. And uh, if you follow us on Instagram at all at uh, I Brew My Own Coffee, uh, you can uh, you probably have seen some of his work. Uh, he took over our Instagram account for a little bit, and uh, he just got this cool story uh, just about his hobby of brewing coffee at home. Uh, we had a lot of fun in this episode, and uh, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's going to be a two-part episode. This first part will be obviously released right now, and then next week we'll be releasing episode or part two of this episode. So be sure to check back and uh, listen to the second part. Uh, if you are feeling generous at all, feel free to check out our uh, Patreon page. If you are interested in supporting the site and this podcast at all, uh, you can go check that out at patreon.com slash ibrewmyowncoffee, and uh, you can help support the site. Uh, thanks again, and I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, Brian. How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. How are you, man? I'm doing very good. I'm glad to have you on the show. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, for anybody uh, who's been uh, following us on Instagram at all, you might have seen some of the, the colorful selection of photos <laughs> Brian took for us. Uh, roughly a couple weeks ago now, but uh, I went uh, out and bought a special pack of paper just for that. Yeah, week. <laughs> I, I, we I think we got to clear this up because a lot of people like whenever they see your photos, the first thing they always want to ask is, "Where do you get the paper from?" So, so <laughs> actually, you know, most people ask me, they're like, they're like, "How many colorful tables do you have?" Oh in yeah, your house? yeah. <laughs> but really, like it seriously, is... no, no tables. It's just like dollar store. <laughs> poster board it's as cheap as i could possibly find that's i attempt to invest nothing in the process of taking photos (laughs) yeah that's funny because i I was out at my parents house and i I used to be into photography and i actually found a couple uh, of different variety colors of poster board and uh, i was trying to replicate some of your photos but they didn't turn out nearly as good as as what you had going on you know it's it's really funny because uh one of the other things so coffee is obviously a huge hobby of mine one of the other things that I do besides my day job is uh, I shoot real estate and property photography. Oh, right. So I'll actually go in and like, you know, find a find a house that somebody is selling or or have just like remodeled or whatever. And I'll go in and take photos and and uh, make them all look really pretty. But as as the process of actually uh, doing that evolved, I sort of collected all this gear. So I've got all kinds of lights and all kinds of fancy cameras and everything else. So I figured at some point like, maybe I'll just start using all that gear to also start shooting these silly coffee photos. So that's kind of, you know, the process of actually shooting a photo, it might look really super simple, but you know, if you step back and actually look at my setup, it's a little bit convoluted sometimes, (laughs) you know, it's lots of lights and different diffusers and bounce reflectors and all kinds of stuff. And then this really super cheap piece of poster board that I got at the, the dollar store. That's awesome. So I guess to start off the episode, can you uh, kind of recall maybe your first experience you ever had with coffee? Yeah, I, w- I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. I was, <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Like in 1982, a, a cold day in the winter, I was born. <laughs> no, I, I remember like my very first memory with coffee was was my dad, probably when I was you know six or seven, maybe 
and I asked to like drink his coffee and it like totally burned my mouth like it does all little kids mouths. Yeah. And uh, I I hated coffee after that. Like the idea of coffee, the thought of it, whatever. So my dad kind of like scarred me to coffee when I was when I was really really young. But then for whatever reason like in high school uh he started he was driving me to school for whatever reason and I don't know why but because uh, we lived like right next to the school but he would drive me so uh, it became sort of an event, though, that we would actually go to this brand new coffee shop called Starbucks. Yeah, this was this was probably was probably like sixteen or something like that. We would go we would go to Starbucks. It just opened up, you know, down the corner from our house, and we would go have cappuccinos in the morning, and we would sit and you know hang out before before school started. So it was kind of like it was kind of my first entry into like drinking coffee regularly. Was was there with my dad. Uh-huh. Uh, and a buddy of mine used to actually had started working at Starbucks and got me a job there, which I thought was totally like the coolest thing in the whole world. Like I really wanted to work at Starbucks. So I actually worked there for like seven years. Oh, wow. Um, Just yeah, as I was a, a barista or I was a, I was a partner, man. I was, oh, I was wow. green apron all the way. Yeah. Wow. I actually, uh, I, I worked all the way up to, to shift supervisor and I was a quote unquote coffee master at one point. I was, uh, wearing the black apron and everything oh wow. i actually still have all my aprons i wear them at halloween sometimes it's pretty fun oh so like but, uh, the, the different color uh aprons signify different things there yeah well at the time i don't know if it's the same way now but like at the time uh they had this coffee masters program so you would go and like research all about like different growing regions and and processing and all kinds of stuff like that and then you would sort of get quote-unquote certified i don't know how official it really was but then you'd get a black apron and Uh, it had a special logo on it and stuff and so you know if anybody at the store had questions about coffee like you would go up and you know kind of help them answer those questions and walk them through the process of figuring out a coffee that was that was awesome for them you know at the time like i knew that starbucks coffee was over roasted and was way past its like prime you know, it, the fact that they were saying like you could you could sell a bag of coffee that was potentially a year old was just kind of mind boggling to me, even at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't really have any other experience with like third wave shops or anyone else doing doing uh, roasting specifically. Um, but I kind of knew just, you know, in the back of my mind, like this is probably not uh, this is probably not as great as it possibly could be. Mm hmm. Um, that was actually around the same time where they used to have the La Marzocco machines, you know, where so you you were actually pulling real authentic shots of espresso and then they transitioned all the stores to the automatic push button machines. Gotcha. So kind of uh, really quickly it like turned into I kind of felt like I was working at McDonald's instead of working <laughs> at a place where you had to like learn and get get super, you know, trained and uh-huh. and this whole craft idea. Um but at the time like right around uh, the beginning of working in, working there, another friend of mine actually started uh, started going to this coffee shop down in in Phoenix. I live in Phoenix, so mm-hmm. in Arizona here, and, and down on Central there was this shop called Lux. And this guy from Seattle, uh, who he had just moved down, he opened up this shop, and he was doing everything in the shop like on his own. He was roasting his own beans, he was baking his own pastries. Actually, his wife his wife was baking pastries. And, uh, I mean, just everything end to end, it was like, he didn't have any syrups. I mean, he had like mocha and and things like that, but there was no, 
like foofy syrup or anything like that. And cappuccinos were like a size, not necessarily like in one size and you couldn't order it to go. It was like blew my mind. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, so we, so we started going there and he was doing latte art on everything. And, and I was like, okay, this, this is, this is special. This is awesome. And mm-hmm. so that was like, that was like 16 years ago that, <laughs> that he opened up that shop. And so ever since then, you know, just sort of been into coffee, kind of somewhat working in coffee. Like I'd never really call myself a barista necessarily, but you know, definitely have gotten more into coffee in the last two to three years than I ever had, even like when I worked at Starbucks. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. So right now you're not actually, you don't work in the coffee industry at all, right? No, not at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm a software developer at a, at a defense contractor here in town. I, I do probably the most boring day job (laughs) that, uh, that most people would consider, uh, doing, but yeah, I mean, it's super stable and I enjoy it and it gives me the, uh, the option of having a lot of different hobbies and side projects and stuff like real estate photography and coffee. And, you know, I'm super involved at our church and we do a, uh, I, I also have a weekly tech podcast or tech, uh, segment on our CBS five news affiliate in the mornings. So every, every Tuesday I get up at the crack of dawn and talk about technology. It's like super fun. Awesome. But, uh, yeah, lots of hobbies. And I guess that's kind of the thing, like, you know, People who have lots of hobbies and do a lot of things tend to find their way into like coffee. I don't know. Coffee and having a lot of projects on your plate seem to work really well together. I I don't know if you've noticed that too. uh, For sure. I mean, like I have plenty of hobbies. Like growing up, I would always bike and skateboard and I was rode dirt bikes. I did all those different things and I still do a lot of biking and skateboarding here and there now now that I've grown up a little bit, but I, coffee has become like a hobby to me, you know, and I was just thinking about it today, you know, some, some people are just like blown away that you like spend any type of money on coffee outside of, you know, your, your, well, I don't even know what Folgers costs, like a, a can of Folgers coffee every month or something like that, you know, sure. like, but like you, I like to think of it as like, you know, you're going and spending money to go play golf or buy a $300 driver or something like that, you know, like what I'm spending on coffee is, is very minimal to what you are, you're, you're going and doing. So. Well, and in the, in the long run, I mean, for me, I, you know, I used to go to coffee shops a lot, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and even not so much like when I was working at Starbucks, I, I wouldn't necessarily go to a lot of other coffee shops, but you know, after I stopped working there, I kind of like, you know, I became addicted at that point, you know, after, mm-hmm. after being there and drinking coffee as much as I was. So I was shot, I was going to a lot of shops and stuff and, and that expense really does add up, you know, after a while. So like when you talk about brewing coffee at home and, you know, buying beans and then making your own coffee by hand, that's quite a lot cheaper than the alternative of like going to a shop every day. Oh yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you know, it's all, I guess it's kind of all relative in, in the long run, but I, uh, I definitely don't mind putting the, uh, putting a little bit of time and money into coffee at home. I think it's something I enjoy. It's kind of, like you said, it's, it's become a hobby in and of itself, but it also enables me to go out and do other things. So for sure. Yeah. I think I, I just saw, I think it was today. I saw either, I want to say it was coffee geek, like posted a, a series of tweets. Like he, he, uh, usually does 
on little rants, but it was something along the lines of like how much it cost uh, to to use these like um, Keurig type machines. Oh yeah, yeah. Comparatively to like m- that's more expensive than like buying Coke or drinking Coke on a regular basis or something. I'll have to throw that in the show notes, but I thought it was pretty interesting to see like people just assume that it's cheaper or more cost effective to use like the Keurig type machines with the the automatic stuff like that but it actually that that is a lot more than you know what me or you or any of the other people that are drinking these specialty coffee at home would be spending sure i mean and you know when you talk about like you find a good roaster out there even if you have to pay for shipping which a lot of times you don't have to pay for shipping but if you even if you are paying for shipping from a from a roaster that may not be located in your city you know you you can get a, a decent amount of coffee that's really good quality for under 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then if you really think about like what you've invested in potentially in a setup to actually brew that at home, you know, if you if you strip it all the way back down to the the simple things of like a, a hand grinder and like a Chemex or, you know, whatever and then if if you're buying filters regularly, I mean even that can be under like 60, 70, 80 dollars. Yeah, that's that's not a whole big investment to make you know, and then keep that recurring cost of the coffee going. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Still pretty cost effective, I think, but for sure, I, I just find it really interesting. The whole economics of the whole thing, you know, it, that's actually what ended up, uh, that's actually what ended up driving me into home roasting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I went through this whole period of time, uh, about, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so where I was like, I don't know. I think I was becoming a Luddite. I, I kind of like went to ultra minimalism uh, to a fault, actually, <laughs> where I was like, I was researching everything that I was doing and like, you know, questioning all of my my purchasing choices. And and so at the time, I was actually uh, subscribed to Tonks mm-hmm. and I was subscribed to Misto Box. And I was also purchasing coffee on a regular basis from uh, cartel here in town, one of the, our local, local shops. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I was buying a lot of coffee <laughs> and <laughs> shocking, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I actually went through the whole process of thinking like, you know, maybe I could actually buy green coffee a lot cheaper and make an initial investment in, uh, in a coffee roaster, like an actual drum roaster or something like that. And then sort of like work my way through it to figure out like how to how to roast great coffee at home and then my recurring costs would actually be a whole lot cheaper so i'm you know you can buy a a larger bag of green coffee for significantly cheaper than you could buy like a roasted bag of the same amount so i I started doing that that's that's kind of like the economics actually drove me right into home roasting which was kind of kind of an interesting uh road to start start going on when you've had like all this amazing coffee from all these amazing roasters to say like okay, I'm going to ditch all that. I'm going to cancel everything. I'm going to do it all on my own. For <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I want to kind of get into that a little bit later, but sure. Yeah. kind of scrolling through your Instagram feed, like you have a good amount of gear here. Um, I have kinda, a ridiculous amount of gear. <laughs> kind of tell us uh, a little bit about what you, what you have and what uh, you, you typically would brew with. Yeah, so... Um, it all started, I think my very first uh, brew device was actually a glass French press from Bodum, you know, like one of those sort of, I don't remember how big it was, but um, 
I mean, that was that was around the time I started working at Starbucks because every time we would, uh, like every week when you worked at Starbucks, you'd get a free bag of coffee. So a free 16-ounce bag of coffee. I'm like, that is way too much coffee on a weekly basis for most people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now thinking about that, I'm like, man, I that, that doesn't seem like that much coffee with the amount of coffee I, I currently have in my house. But um, yeah, I, I would I would just annihilate that coffee with a french press all the time you know it i didn't i never got really good at at brewing on a french press i mean i'll be i'll be super honest like i probably haven't brewed a french press in two years maybe um but when i first started out i was i was just you know everything i would drink was on the was on the french press and then actually my second brew device that i ever bought was the current espresso machine that i have right now oh really sort of surprising yeah uh, it's the Starbucks barista, uh, stainless steel espresso machine. Um, and I purchased it actually because, uh, you know, as a, as a partner at Starbucks, you'd actually get like 40% off, I mm-hmm. think on, and at certain times of the year, you actually would get a slightly larger discount or actually, no, I think you got 30% off. And then during this special part of the year, we got an extra 10%. So I, I got 40% off of this crazy espresso machine. So I said, I'm going to buy it. You know, I'm going to make espresso at home. And uh, I bought that and a, and a burr grinder that they had there. Um, so, yeah, that was actually my second purchase. And I never really got the hang of the, the espresso machine. And I never knew why. And so, you know, a couple of years into actually having it, I just stopped using it. I never never touched it again. And I it sat in a uh, in a cabinet in my garage for a really long time. It just never even paid any attention to it. So I went through this strange phase of owning a bunch of like automatic style machines, like cake cup kind of, you know, that idea. I bought a, I actually bought a Krupp's uh, EA82 automatic espresso machine at one point where, you, you know, you throw the beans on the top and then it actually like grinds them and, you know, actually makes like espresso uh, and then spits out the little puck that you discard later on. Uh-huh. That was really cool. I, I thought that was the coolest machine ever. And then I started realizing like the espresso that it's spitting out is really not that great. <laughs> um, and so I, I sold it later on after that. But that's kind of around the time about two and a half years ago, about two, maybe two years ago, where I started uh, started in with the V60 and uh, got my first six cup Chemex. And I think my next device was obviously the AeroPress, um, which I use religiously now. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I've got three different Chemexes, uh, uh, V60, uh, AeroPress, and then the espresso machine that I finally like resuscitated from the recesses of my garage and, uh, put back on the counter. And I was like, I'm going to figure this thing out. And then I realized like, have you ever used one of these machines? Do you know what I'm talking about? These these Starbucks barista machines. Okay. So for anybody out there listening, if you have one of these machines, uh, so the porta filter on this thing is actually I guess it's like a pressurized porta filter. It's not intended for you to actually tamp the grounds. <laughs> and it's not intended for you to grind your coffee super fine either. So it's basically like it's an espresso machine with training wheels. So you can use a low quality grinder that doesn't grind fine enough and you don't have to learn how to tamp and then it does all the rest of the work for you. But you know, that was actually producing not very great espresso for a really long time. So finally I was like, okay, I think my portafilter is the 
bulk of my problem. And after reading a bunch of stuff online, I ripped it apart and gutted the thing, pulled out all the inner guts and plastic parts and levers and springs and everything else. And then I started realizing like, okay, now I'm getting closer to what I really need for great espresso, but my current grinder can't grind fine enough (laughs) to actually pull espresso out of this thing. So that kind of led right into my next purchase of uh, the Starbucks, or not the Starbucks, the uh, the Barazza uh, Preciso grinder. So I got a, I ended up getting a grinder that I could use for espresso. Um, and then I started from that point on. I was pulling, you know, awesome shots, and I was learning, you know, all all the techniques and things to do, and you know, parameters and all that stuff. Um, and then about nine months after having that grinder and using it for both filtered coffee and espresso, uh, it went belly up on me. And uh, I, I'm pretty confident that those things are not built necessarily to uh, to go back and forth like between filter coffee and espresso like I was trying to do. <laughs> um, fortunately, they sent me a brand new one. Uh, and after you know working through some some issues, they realized it was probably broken beyond the point that I could fix it myself. So they sent me a new one, and from the very first moment I received the new one, I haven't brewed or I haven't ground for espresso on it. That was that was about the point in time I decided that I was going to buy a a proper espresso grinder. So, yeah, I ended up uh, dropping a little bit of money on that that Maycap uh, M4 M4D digital doserless grinder that is one of my favorite purchases that I've ever really made in coffee. <laughs> That thing is awesome. I mean, you can throw anything at that that little grinder, and it just chews it up and makes great espresso out of it. So that's awesome. So, like you mentioned, you, you're not at a shortage of any type of brewing device. But uh, one of the ones that I, I I've seen that you've posted, and I know Brian just uh, released a, a a review on our site that he said he used this in it as well is the the dragon. <laughs> the dragon. What? I, I'm sorry. Like. You know, if you're gonna name a coffee <laughs> brewing device anything, you got, you have to name it out of like a midi name it after a medieval beast. Like that's <laughs> just the best. Yeah, it was so the dragon. Uh, what I, I, what is this? <laughs> what's the story behind this? I I've only seen pictures, and then you posted a a little Instagram video, so it was 15 seconds worth of this thing. But I still feel like I have no idea what's going on here. So essentially. Um, like the backstory on it is, is actually kind of cool. Um, so Todd Carmichael, uh, who does, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with him, he does a show called dangerous grounds. He's also the founder or co-founder. I'm not sure of, uh, La Colombe coffee. Mm-hmm. He, he competed, uh, I think it was last year with this brand new crazy device. It was all over Sprudge and people were talking about it. He basically, and he, I, I think he's, He's pretty wealthy, and, and so he had the, the capital to go off and create this fussy, fancy brew device uh, called the Dragon. And uh, he, I think he got second place in the Brewer's Cup. All I could be totally wrong on all this information. Mm-hmm. I should have done my research. But he, uh, he got, I think he got second place with the Dragon. And um, so it kind of started, you know, showing up on people's Instagram feeds, on, on my, you know, on Sprudge and people up. Uh, you know, I was following, we're really interested in it and people talking about it on Twitter and stuff. So, um, essentially what it is, is, uh, a siphon without actually having the heat source. 
without having this like flame, open flame of a heat source. Mm-hmm. So it's more it's more controlled than a siphon. Um, and I say all this, and I've never actually brewed on a siphon. So <laughs> the reason why I ended up buying the dragon was because, well, obviously everybody on Instagram was doing it, so I had to do it too. Um, but <laughs> more importantly. I was actually currently looking into buying a siphon and I'd been doing a lot of research. Like, should I buy a vacuum brewer? Should I, should I not? Should I, you know? So finally I was like, okay, I'm either going to buy this, this standard proper siphon, or I'm going to go out and I'm going to pull the trigger on this crazy, you know, dragon that's out there. And, uh, the day that I was trying to make my decision, uh, alone was like, Oh, and by the way, it's currently available on our website. You can go buy it. So I was like, it was probably the the craziest impulse purchase I've ever made. I, I was over there faster than I could even think. And I hit the buy button and I, and I was now the proud owner of a, uh, of a brand new fussy coffee brewing device. Yeah. I mean, it, um, from, from the looks of it, I mean, it, it looks like a siphon. I'm looking at your Instagram feed right now. It looks like where yeah. you pour the coffee into is like a, a siphon part. And then you kind of got like the Chemex look on the bottom where I'm guessing the water goes after you brewed it. And then you kind of almost have like a, like an AeroPress type device on the the right side of it, which it, you know, like a plunger type thing. Yeah. That's an interesting way of describing it. It, Cause a lot of people will, will look at it and think it's similar to an AeroPress. A lot of people will look at it and think it's similar to uh, a siphon and then some people come in and, and they're like, well, it's kind of, there's, there's a Chemex feature in there too, somewhere at the bottom. Yeah. It, it's basically like this strange amalgamation of all these coffee brewing devices in one. Um, so yeah, it's, it's full immersion. So the coffee, uh, coffee grounds sit with the water, uh, in stasis for some period of time, mm-hmm. basically like if you were doing an inverted AeroPress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the coffee sits up, um, being held up by a vacuum, which is uh, below it, um, basically the, all the seals and valves and gaskets and everything maintain this this uh, vacuum underneath it. So above the filter in this bowl, the coffee is sitting with the water for some period of time. And then at, at any moment you decide, you pull on this plunger on, on one of the sides and it actually breaks the vacuum and starts to, to draw down the water through basically like a siphon filter it, it they are paper siphon filters that you buy for this thing so it's exactly the same thing as a siphon filtration mm-hmm. um, and so then the, all the water comes down through this through the filters and then you're left with uh, your brewed coffee at the end of it the, the really cool thing that sets it a, apart from an aeropress because you know you kind of explain that and it's like well that that certainly certainly sounds a lot like an aeropress i mean mm-hmm. couldn't you just do the same thing by like inverting your AeroPress and then flipping it over. And yeah, it's really similar to that. But, um, the thing that the, that the dragon does that none of these other brewers do, and it's hard to tell, it's hard to see it from, from a video or from a photo. That's why every time I shoot a video of it, I try to get like this second piece of it in the shot, which I feel is like super important. So you add the coffee, you add the water and then a minute and something, a minute and five seconds, a minute and 10 seconds or whatever, you then add um, room temperature water to this outer collar. There's like a glass collar that sits around the the chamber where the coffee sits and it doesn't touch the coffee. There's no interaction between it at all except 
the outer ring uh, holds a different you know, volume of water. So you pour room temperature water into that outer collar. And what it ends up doing is it de- begins to decrease uh, the temperature of your brew. Uh, and when you actually look through, um, when you look through the glass, you can see the coffee begins agitating itself. So it's pretty, it's a pretty cool thing to look, to what? see. Yeah, the, the coffee, so you've got this, you know, you go back to science class, right? You've got this inner, super hot, you know, just below boiling uh, brew bed. And then on the outside of that, you've got this room temperature volume of water. And so naturally, the inner, all the energy is going out. So the inner uh, brew bed basically tries to warm up all the, the room temperature water on the outside of the collar. And as as a part of that energy exchange, and uh, it starts agitating itself. So it, you'll see it swirling around inside of there. The actual top crust of the of the dragon starts to change. You know, you'll see pieces of it like implode and come down into. The, so it's, it's really cool. Like you you never touch it. Um, so as as fussy as it actually is, it's kind of fun to watch. And it takes so long that it's there's really not a lot involved in actually doing it. You just you add the water, you know, to the coffee grounds, and then you add that room temperature water, and you let it sit there for three and a half minutes. All right. And then once you're done, you just start pumping it, and it it all draws down into the bottom. And another cool feature of it, cool, huh, is uh, the the resulting coffee is actually lower temperature than it might be like on a Chemex or or a pour over, and so you can drink it like right away. It's ready to go. So you, you don't even have to wait for it to sort of cool off a little bit. It's like at the optimal temperature as soon as you as soon as you brew it. That's crazy. Is, it's it's really cool. I mean it's super fussy. Um and a lot of people a lot of people ended up uh getting sort of, you know, professional samples of these devices. Mm-hmm. You know, people actually got sent them promotionally or whatever. I was probably one of the only people in the very, very beginning who actually went out and purchased it just because I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, so I, I decided, yeah, let's let's give this thing a go. And for as much hype as it has and as much, you know, fussiness as it actually does involve, and it totally looks like a meth lab. I mean, completely. <laughs> There's nothing about it that does not look like drug paraphernalia. <laughs> um, it makes a really good cup of coffee, actually. Yeah. Um, and, you know... There's there's something about it, and I don't know if it has to do with the full immersion or the just control that you have over like pulling, uh, drawing it down in a certain way, um, or I I think it has mostly to do with that temperature drop that slowly starts to happen during uh, when when you add the water around the collar, but it totally accentuates like floral notes and fruity coffees and. Um, it's probably not going to do well with like a solid Indonesian coffee or anything that's like earthy or super chocolatey. Mm-hmm. Um, but natural processed coffees really work well on it. And coffees that are definitely like floral and fruity, um, even some, I've only had a few geishas, but the the times that I've ever had a geisha and brewed on it have always turned out really well. Um, it brews a really solid cup of coffee and, and a lot of, uh, a lot of aroma, you know, a lot of, a lot of flavor there. Um, is it better than something else? Probably not. I mean, you know, you could put it head to head against a Chemex and I've actually done that. I've, I've done a dragon battle, <laughs> hashtag dragon battle on Instagram. Go look it up. Uh, <laughs> so, 
where I'll, I'll pit it head to head with like a baby Chemex, you know, same kind of brew size, similar grind settings and put them back to back. And the two cups are, are similar, but you know, one of them will have a lot more like citrus and floral notes. And the other one will have maybe a, a little bit more, uh, roundness and a little bit more sweetness, but you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's cool to be able to compare. I guess that's kind of my thing is, is, uh, getting a coffee, brewing it as absolutely, you know, many ways as I could possibly think to brew it. Espresso, Chemex, Aeropress, I'm putting it through the dragon, um, and just seeing like all the differences and, and how it performs well. I think that's Brian Bikey's thing too. Yeah. Of, uh, abandoned coffee. Like he, you know, he, he's kind of the same way. It's just this, like, what, what are you going to do today? I I don't know. Let's, let's put a coffee through its paces. That's awesome. I think that's, I mean, since I started following you on Instagram and wanting to have you on the show, it's one of the, one of the coolest things I see within you is just how passionate about coffee you are and how much of a hobby this is. I mean, for the people out there who are just getting into coffee, this might sound like a, like a total, like, uh, where do I even start? This guy seems very intense about this. Like, hopefully this just inspires you to, to go out and start, uh, trying different coffees or different brewing methods yourself. You know, you don't have to, um, go as far as what Brian has done so far, but it, it, it's fun. It's I've, since I've been following Brian, like I've definitely started using different brew methods when, once we get coffees in and, uh, putting them through the paces as they would say. And, it, it really is just a lot of fun, and it's just cool to hear these these different stories and how how passionate you are about it, Brian. And um... so that concludes part one of this episode with Brian Sheely. Uh, like I said, be sure to check back next week for part two of this episode, and uh, check us out on Patreon.com/slash I Brew My Own Coffee uh, if you're interested in supporting us at all. Uh, thanks again for listening. <laughs>